Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I am your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are my two fantabulous co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. And we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about various things going on uh, in Blizzard games. And as we usually do, uh, got to start with like something that isn't really news because we knew it was coming already. But Blizzard did a post about how Caress Faction guilds are going to work. Did you guys look at it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually didn't uh, get a chance to watch it yet or let, take a look in, at it yet. Okay, I, I'm just going to go ahead, Liz. In the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about D&D and how, how poorly the content was presented because I, as a professional content creator, have opinions about this. But the post Blizzard made about cross-faction guilds, if anyone submitted that to me as a blog post, I would have sent it back and said, come on, add some details here. I, I go look at the thing and give me some more details. Give me some more meat in this post because it's really super light on information. Yeah. Uh, it does tell us a few things that I, th- I know people want to know. For instance, guilds are going to still be Alliance or Horde. Um, the guild leaders faction will be the faction of the guild. So if your guild leader is a orc, then you're in a Horde guild. And if your guild leader but- is a human, you're in an Alliance guild. But the thing is, we already knew that. That was in the PTR patch notes. I mm-hmm. mean, we already knew a lot of this, actually. I'm sure we knew already knew all of it, but some of it is worth mentioning just for people who keep asking me. Uh, this is going to be the thing I send them to to get them to stop asking me. Uh, I, I do actually think that this is remarkably not a ton. I mean, it, it does kind of find myself wondering if they're just doing this like this because they don't have anything else to say about it. Like, it doesn't do anything else. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like they're adding any new features to it. They're just letting people, you know, Horde or Alliance join any guild they they're want. Not, it's not even that they're adding features to it. Like, there's a lot of features that you just don't get access to, or a lot well, of things you just can't really do if you join a cross-faction guild. It's basically, you know, cross-faction gameplay now has some limitations. Like, uh, you can't do uh, LFG, you can't do time walking together because that's something you queue up for. There's a lot of things you can't do with cross-faction gameplay right now. And it sounds like all of those restrictions are still going to be in place for cross-faction players in a cross-faction guild. So the only difference you get between current cross-faction gameplay and cross-faction guilds is you get access to guild chat and the guild bank. You are still another faction. You're still hostile to one another in the open world. You can, I believe you can only communicate through guild chat. There's just, uh, it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty skimpy system. It's pretty basic. It, and it's just not very different from how it works right now. I went from being very, very excited about uh, cross-faction guilds because uh, uh, there's a lot of, uh, I've been complaining about this a lot recently. I'm tired of getting stuck on geometry as a Volpera. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can, you know, cross-fashion guilds and they come out. I'll maybe, you know, I can finally go back to being a dwarf and this will be fun. And, and, you know, I can do stuff. And now I'm just like, well, why bother? There's, there's not enough. Like it, it, it doesn't, the restrictions that are there make it enough that it, it's inconvenient enough to not want to do the switch. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, it's like a couple of weeks ago, Joe, you and I were doing time walking together and we were going to pull in someone cross-faction and it's like, oh, you can't do this. It's just, we were all set up to, hey, we're going to run cross-faction uh, time walking with some friends, but cross-faction time walking isn't exi- doesn't exist because you can't do anything you queue for 
with someone with a cross faction player. You just can't. Okay. Go, go, go. But like, it's it's one of those things where like, again, this is a feature that I know a lot of people were very very excited about. Um, one of our guildmates, Molly, who routinely comes on the stream, was very excited to go back to being a night elf. I don't know that she's going to right now. I don't know that 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 this does enough to to sort of like allow for that to be a thing. It's I don't know. I understand why, and I understand that the game is essentially built in with that sort of being. Uh, I don't want to say hard coded into it the faction divide, but you know it just really highlights how old like the game really is in a way. So I don't know, which means I might be doing a thing where I let like our readers or listeners decide what race change race I change into on the horde side. <laughs> Cause I can't be a Valpera anymore. I have to, I have to switch and I can't, I don't think I'm going to be able to be a goblin either. Although I guess this is a question for Padilla and chat and, and those that play goblin. Do you get stuck on geometry like Valpera do? Because if not, I can still be small and I'd be okay with that. But yeah, Joe, I think it's just you. It might be. Well, no, see, here's the thing. Uh, my wife and I have a running joke that trees are, are the nemesis of her, her night elf because she just rides into them constantly and has since the game started. Going back to 2004, hold on, there comes the, the train dash. Okay, I'm fine. Uh, she's just always been riding into trees. So, yeah, that's that's the running joke. Is it's just She just has a magnetic attraction to wood. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I got to admit, I didn't realize you couldn't even queue for stuff. Yeah, you can't. Even that's like, why are you even doing it then? If you've got a, like, if you've got somebody in your guild and you you form a group to go run a dungeon and then you can't queue for it because you're in different factions, what was the point of this? You can that's, group up and go to a dungeon like yeah. Mythic Plus, but you can't do anything that involves queuing. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you wanted to do a raid, great. You all group up. You go to the raid entrance and walk in. Yeah, but I can, bring, like, horde, I can bring horde people to my raids right now. Yeah, I know. It's, do that it's, exact exactly, thing. it's exactly the same, except with guild chat. Wow, yeah, you guys were really thinking guild chat's that big a sell? Okay. I mean, um, I mean in guild, a world, chat, guild chat is a sell, but it's not... In a, world of, in a world of Discord, though, like, I don't know that it is. Mm. <laughs> Like you could have Discord on your phone and be typing to people while you're in game if you need to, or on a second monitor, or whatever the case is. Like, I don't know that Guild Chat's that big of a draw. Like, it's neat and all, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's about what I expected, but somehow I'm still disappointed, and I think it's my own fault. <laughs> like, I can't even be mad at them because, like, it, it's, it's it's like, yeah, that it makes sense why that limitation's there and everything like that. But then, like, there's really no reason to be in Guild. It just go on the other side like we're gonna do it like we used to do where like you would have players that had a horde guild and an alliance guild comprised of the same people so that they could play whatever to pe- decide to know what they wanted to do so uh also yeah. yeah that is another another restriction of it too that that i think we should also note is like you can't just invite anybody either like you have to in order to be in a cross-faction guild you have to be uh battle battle.net friends battle or battle.net friends or in a community via Battle.net already. So like See, that that makes perfect sense to me. It does. Otherwise you literally cannot communicate with them because they're the opposite faction. Yeah, which again makes sense. But like that's something that I don't think is being highlighted as much either. So like it's can't you can't just be like, I made a character, invite me. 
anymore. So you have to make sure that you're in those groups or communities or whatever the case is. So just something I wanted to make sure was noted. I don't one know. Thing I, one thing I will add to this is kind of a final thought is that Blizzard has said they want to go into this cross-faction thing slowly and taking baby steps. And this is a, this is a baby step. This is a baby, baby step forward towards cross-faction guilds. But, you know, they, they may continue expanding on it. It may be one day in the future, we will get what feels like a cross-faction guild where you can talk to each other, where you can send people mail, where you can use the group finder together. But uh, patch 10.1 is not when that's going to happen. This is uh, more basic than that. A fair point. I don't know why I'm having trouble talking now. That's really strange. I think I'm actually <sighs> really super disappointed. Mm. I bummed myself out. Great job. Man. I, it it I will be good. It'll be good. It'll I be good at some day. point. But like it's it's interesting though because like it, it, outside of having access to the guild bank, it really doesn't add anything you don't already have access to if mm. you're battle.net friends with somebody and doing cross cross group stuff. Yeah, we, we the thing is is that my 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 weekly raid already has horde people in it. <laughs> it's just so it's the draw is you know, I don't know if we, that would be enough to get them to join our guild. Because like, you still uh, can't trade either, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Let's move on to something happier. Uh, on f- the 20th of April, which is two days away as we're recording this. And I mean, by the time you listen to it, it might actually have been yesterday. Because you guys tend to like to listen on Fridays, I think. Um, we're going to have another Diablo 4 dev live stream. Uh, it's going to be... At 11 a.m. Pacific, and it's supposed to be about endgame content and changes they've made since the beta. And I'm really interested in what changes they made in the beta. Um, I mean, they did they did yeah, do a you, blog post on it. Uh, I was going to say, Liz, you, you could mention that. I was just going to ask you to because you brought it up in the email. So, like, what, oh no, what, I brought. No, no, come back to me because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, one thing we can we can say for sure is that. Uh, They did do a lot of, one of the things they did was a lot of uh, stress testing with the beta, especially the open beta. There was a ton of stress testing and that's, that's actually very useful because a lot of, one of the biggest problems that Diablo two resurrected had was one that they had no real way of knowing was going to be a problem. Uh, The way that the handshake that got you into battle net from Diablo two was the same code that they used originally when they first made the game back in 2000. And as a result, they had never tested it on the kind of scale that modern Battle.net uses, the, the amount of users who would be going through it. And the code was simply not designed for this. It was not designed, the, the way the server worked, the way everything was different, and this code was not designed to work for it. So what ended up happening was, it was doing everything in a very manual way. I, I Manual isn't the right word, but uh, Joe would be the one to talk to you about that. Um, but it was doing everything the way it did it in 2000, and that was fine for 2000. But the sheer number of people trying to play the game when it went live was was an order of magnitude higher than any test they could have done for it. Yeah, like they they didn't anticipate the the crushing response that they would get. Um, oh, they they never do. They never do. I mean, and to be fair, and you know, you know, from due to a recent conversation, we may actually be able to have somebody on to talk about this in more in depth later. Ha <laughs> ha. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's it's really hard to predict uh, what your actual traffic is going to be because pre sales don't really give you the same 
idea anymore because some people literally will not pre-order games anymore. Uh, they've been Peter Molyneux too many times, so they just don't pre-order games, right? Oh, so they, yeah. They wait till it releases, and then they buy it, and then they jump on, or they wait till a free weekend, or they, or maybe they get it as a gift from somebody. So, like, it's hard to predict what the actual bump is going to be. And I, if I remember correctly, um, at least from a software development standpoint, you bake in a certain percentage above what you predict as as headroom, but that they're just getting crushed because that percentage is so far off. It's so far under what actually happens. So there's only so much they can do. It's a thing. Yeah. And so that's very good that they got so much um, stress testing in with this beta test, because at least it gives them somewhat of a baseline for how it should work. Um, That was the other problem is that when you Diablo two came out originally, uh, the game was on your computer and since that's the case, it didn't have to look up your character information every time you logged in or out. But since they were now using it through an always-on system, suddenly the, 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 the character information was on one of Blizzard's servers. And you had your computer would call out, look it up, and come back. Which is something that they do for like World of Warcraft. It's not tremendously onerous to do, but the code wasn't designed for that. That was the big problem. The, the computer would call out for that server information to, you know, what's this character? And the code would be like, I have no idea what you were talking about, my man. <laughs> Are you serious? You know, I'm supposed to do what? I mean, just Shizney right there on the, no, man. No, we, we, we get it off of that server. I don't know what you're talking about. And now imagine that's, that happens. Things go into a loop. And then that happens another 35,000 times in a couple seconds. <laughs> that kind of thing they did not expect. So Liz, have you had time to look at it? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of class balance changes in here. And I think for the most part, they're good ones. There are some nerfs to necromancers, which I know everyone I'm friends with kind of just made like the saddest face when they heard about that. But uh, not this one. Honestly, necromancers were so overpowered in the beta and their power was really front loaded because they got their special thing, which was summoning an army of skeleton minions at level one. And uh, honestly, you were just super, super powerful right off the bat. But the problem with that was you didn't get much of a power curve because you were so powerful up front. So you would like level up and you'd get access to new abilities. And it's like, why do I even want these? I don't need this. I have my army of skeletons. I just want more skeletons. Yeah. And uh, some of the later Necromancer talent nodes, there would be like two skill choices. And it's like, okay, this seems a little skimpy. And also I don't want either of them. So, you know, Necromancer felt weird. But I mean, we're also getting bust to a lot of classes. Barbarians are getting a flat 10% passive damage reduction so they can be a little less squishy because they were a little bit squishy. Yes, they were Uh, squishy. Yeah, Druid, all of their companion skills are going to have increased damage because Druids could summon all sorts of companions and they felt not very impactful, but they're going to be buffed. Um, And all of their ultimate skills, which I also didn't think felt very impactful, are going to have lower cooldowns. So having a lower cooldown, you can use it more often. Even if it's not super impactful, you can like slam those abilities down really fast. Um, Rogue has had some damage increases, but the one I'm really sad about with Rogue is that their imbuement skills have had their cooldowns increased. Imbuements were where you could add an elemental damage type to your weapons. And, you know, you would imbue your weapon and it would last for like, I believe, two hits. But 
so you'd you'd do the imbuement and you'd fire off a couple of arrows or do a couple of stabby stabs, and uh, then you would have to imply an imbuement again. You usually have to wait a little while between those two things happening. Um, and now the cooldown's longer, so you have less awesome elemental attacks. Um, and sorcerers, I also have seen a lot of really sad sorcerers because the damage of chain lightning has been reduced, as is its effectiveness against bosses. That was another one of those things that felt really awesome, but it was so dominatingly powerful that just every sorcerer was just using chain lightning on everything all the time. Why do I need other skills? I got my chain lightning and I'm good. Everyone is going to get roasted. Um, they're also doing some dungeon changes, which I think is going to be really good about uh, reducing the need to backtrack. They're like yeah, simplifying yeah. pathing so you can like get there without running around. They're going to make it to where like in most dungeons you have to clear the dungeon to move forward. And they're going to make it when there are like a few monsters left that they'll come and find you instead of you having to run around this mostly empty dungeon looking for that one skeleton hiding in a corner somewhere. It was very, um, um, one of the things I noticed doing dungeons on the beta was that it was very similar to if you've ever done the Icefall Cave slash, you know, Cave of Frost deal and you're, mm -hmm. you, get the, you get the bounty, kill, you know, go to level two and kill 30 of these mobs. And you you got twenty nine dead, and you can't find that guy. It's, <laughs> yeah. It was like that. Um, a lot of the dungeons had that problem on the beta, so I was really glad to see that they're gonna make it so that after a certain point, they come find you because you know you, you guys know it's, where I am. I'm smashing everything. Yeah, <laughs> but and, also I mean, just just a lot of little quality of life changes with dungeons, like things yeah. you had to channel on to progress, have their channel times reduced. If a door opens in a dungeon, it's going to get a ping on your map. Just nice quality of life changes that will help you keep moving forward instead of running around in circles. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. I, I I also noticed there's some general changes that are for everything. Uh, effects mm -hmm. like stun and freeze can be applied to elite monsters twice as long before they become unstoppable, which is good because if you have a stun or freeze ability and then like, you know, you use it like you use it once and then now the guy's completely immune to it. It's like, what the? bleep i mean what is the point of having you know spent points on this if it if it doesn't do anything to bosses mm. so yeah that's that's a nice touch um they're also going to be reviewing class skills to confirm that all classes have access to sufficient skills that remove control impairing effects uh i think that's because i'm pretty sure it was uh i know i think it was druids who mostly had a problem with this um i, I think barbarians were okay with it not great but they had a couple and some legendary powers have gotten their updates to their effectiveness, which, you know, okay. That's kind of generic. But, yeah. you know, it I is mean, still good. It's it's good to hear that they're working on it. And it's good to know what they've done. Yeah, Instead absolutely. of them just being like, yeah, we're making updates from the beta. It's like, no, we get to see what they're doing based on the feedback they've gotten. Yeah, like going and looking at the Necromancer thing. Um, I definitely think that this they might end up having to, like, bump some of it back up. Because I think you, you, when I looked at them, the way I felt was that either summon minions dying more often or the damage dealt by corpse explosion, the one or the other. Does that um, make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll clarify one of the to the two big things that are getting nerfed for necromancers is that your skeletons are going to be weaker. They're going to die more, which means you have to resurrect them more. And corpse explosion, where you make corpses explode, will stop being the only thing you ever need to use for damage ever because it's so, so powerful. Um, I I would like to see with that, 
that they start weaker, but you have more options later on to power them up. Because that's just, as I leveled a Necromancer to 25, and that was what I felt. It's like the more levels I got, the weaker I felt because I was not advancing in power. Yes. I, mean, I don't know. I didn't have much to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's happening. That's pretty cool. That's But that relates back to what we're talking about with the uh, on the 20th. They're going to be talking about that. They're also just going to talk about in-game content in general. There is a lot of in-game content in, in mm, Diablo. That we haven't seen. Yeah, we haven't seen much. Of, like the whole uh, Fields of Hatred thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know that it's how PvP is going to work. We know that it's based around some kind of blood shard type thing that you have to purify, and that's a whole. It's it's not dissimilar if you remember this far back. Then, like me, you are ancient. But back <laughs> in in vanilla WoW, there was the uh, ruins of Ankaraj, and then there was like there were zones where you could go get this stuff coming up out of the ground and like run it to like a an alliance or horde base and turn it in. But when you did it, everybody knew where you were and could come kill you. And it's like that. Uh, basically, you get the shards, you take them to the place to purify them. As soon as you do, everybody in the zone gets a big old "Hey, kill this guy over here!" Uh, so they come running to kill you before you get your stuff purified. Um, that's what we know, and that's from the from the video they put out last month. We've we've it wasn't in the beta. We have had no chance to test it. We don't know what it's like or how it works. We just know that that's what's happening for PvP, and that's one of of a few systems. Like they, didn't they do it? Like, is it called strongholds? Uh, strongholds were in the beta. Yeah. And they were pretty cool. I like strongholds. So we're going to see like various things like that. I know that one of the cool things about strongholds is that they actually make, they make permanent changes to the world, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess stepping back here, um, strongholds are areas in Diablo that you can clear of monsters. Kind of like a dungeon in WoW, the monsters in a stronghold are always going to be, I think, three levels higher than you. So it's always going to be a challenging area. I cleared several of them completely solo. Like it was hard. I was in danger many times, but I cleared it solo. So you don't need a group, but it's challenging content. And once you clear it out, like the inhabitants of Sanctuary are going to move back in and you may see special vendors. You may see a dungeon in the area. So it's kind of nice in this world that is very grim and sometimes very hopeless to go in and say, okay, I'm going to clear this village of all of these monsters and then people can come back home. They can open their shops back up. It's nice to see that. It feels very satisfying. So yeah, that's the kind of thing we're hoping to, to get more information on this uh, Thursday. Let's. I'm going to throw this around to you both. What do you most want them to talk about? What are you What are you most curious that they're going that they could explain or lay out for you before the game actually comes out? Uh, we'll go with Joe first because he hasn't had to talk much yet. I mean, the surprising thing is, like, normally I'm hungry for more information. I'm really not. I just want the game. Like I just want, <laughs> like like I just want the game to release. Like I just want to play the game. That's where my head's at. Like. I'm good. Otherwise, like I, I'm already sold on the product, right? Like I don't need, mm-hmm. I don't need more information. Like more stuff is cool, but just let me play it. Just let me play my druid. I'm happy. Like I'll be happy at that point. All right, Liz. Um, I am kind of in Joe's headspace. Like I don't need to know more. I, I want to play the game, but I do actually want to know more about the Paracon system, which we saw an early draft of yeah, like last maybe year. a year ago. Yeah, yeah. About a year ago, they did a blog post previewing the Paragon system and they haven't really talked about it since. And yeah, is it that was, still the system? If not, what is the system? What are we going to see? I mean, I'm pretty sure the system we saw is still the system, but I don't know how it's going to work exactly. We haven't seen it in pro in action. 
because the beta only went up to level 25 and that unlocks at level 50, I think. So maybe level 100. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know when that comes in either. Uh, I know so, that it might come in at 50. It might come in at 70. Uh, I don't, I don't know. For one thing, like you're, you, you don't, you get to like level 50 to unlock the second level of difficulty and there's four levels of difficulty. So it's not like Diablo three with like, you know, 16 torments. Uh, it's closer to Diablo two where you've got like, you know, normal, hard, like, you know, hardcore and nightmare or something like that or hell. I I think it was like normal, it was like normal, hard, hard mode or nightmare. And then hell i think that those are the diablo 2 ones joe you know the diablo 2 ones right i can't remember off the top of my head <laughs> i was listening i them. i, I, I crank it to them. 11 and go like i don't really point, look. Yeah. <laughs> point being that there's there were four difficulty modes in uh diablo 2 and that's closer to what diablo 4 is going to do it's not doing the like sc- multiple scaling levels of difficulty after like torment one but they they do have a higher level thing it goes to a level 100 before you even start looking at like what's going on so yeah i don't know uh, that, that'd that be something i hope they really cover i would like them to, to explain exactly how that's going to work uh not that any of this will stop me from playing i just i would <laughs> like to know what that deal is um but all right uh oh yeah my question would be barbarians much tell me more please yes <laughs> um like well, just, just imagine that that meme of the cat who's just like looking up at you <laughs> with enormous eyes, except they have he has an axe, and that's that's me for barbarian stuff. But one thing, oh, go ahead. One thing, one thing I will note is that they did re- they've been releasing class trailers for all the classes. And they did release one on the bar- barbarian today. I don't know that it has a lot of information in it, but it exists. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure it's cool because it's got a barbarian in it. So, you mm-hmm. know, automatically it's better than everything else. But regardless, uh, at this point, we should probably move on quickly to talk about some other stuff. Um, well, uh, Hearthstone Legends is uh, right now, isn't it? Uh, take the stage. It, uh, it's still yeah. going. Uh, yes, I actually am not sure how it how long it lasts. I think it lasts uh, something. I think it's 10 or 11 days. I'd have to go look. But... It's it's just a little kind of mini event where you go and you do some extra quests, you get some cool things. You can it honestly to me my first impression was okay, this is a little skimpy on rewards, like maybe we could get something cooler than this because it's like two packs and uh four signature cards. And signature cards are cards uh I mean it's a cosmetic cards with kind of full-length art instead of like a half uh, you know, the card is taken up like the top half with art and the second half with a description. These are like full art and they're unique art and they look pretty cool. And the final reward is actually a Voidwalker card where he is like singing and wearing a bow tie, which I actually, I actually really want that. I just, I just want it. I would be happy to have it like on a poster on my wall because it looks so cool and ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, that's going on. If you want to do it, just hop into Hearthstone, play some Hearthstone. Uh, I think pretty much any mode will give you some progress on these quests. And uh, that's about it. All right. Uh, Speaking of things you can do that are weird, um, (laughs) Overwatch has got its uh, one of its, um, I want to call it an arcade mode. I'm not sure what exactly you would call it, Um, but it's called the uh, Bob and Weave uh, event. And basically in it, it's a three by three death match where you play as Lifeweaver. Yeah. And so does everybody else in the deathmatch. Like if it's three by three, it's, Everyone's... Three, it's three life weavers versus three life weavers. Uh, and each team has a Bob, B-O-B, the big robot dude, the butler. 
I guess he's a robot butler, is he? Like a robot butler yeah, or a yeah, robot yeah. assistant. I don't know. But yeah, and each team gets one of them, and then they have to spend the event trying to maneuver their their bob around using their life grips and their uh, the other ability that would do it. Um, I remember I life grip. Yeah. I, I mean, think pedal platform. Just, pedal platform is the other one. Yeah, I think you're just using life grip to like curl Bob around the battleground. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it, it's it's going to be a neat way to uh, kind of check out how Life Weaver works because if you didn't buy the battle pass, you probably don't have Life Weaver yet. Yeah, and it's since it's you know we're we're mentioning it now because by the time we mention it next week, it would be too late. It would be literally be over. So we're mentioning it now so you guys get a chance to still get in there and try it by the time you hear this. If you're not listening to us live, which you should be because we're amazing. We're just so great. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, uh, which I thought was cool that Liz remembered to mention that, she also put in this one, which is worth mentioning for the same reason. Um, if you haven't gotten your Amazon Prime Gaming uh, Big Battle Bear yet, if you haven't like used Amazon Prime Gaming to, to, to hook yourself up, you've got till the Thursday of next week. Uh, which is the 27th. So yeah, if you don't get it by then, you won't be able to. That's, you know, it's pretty simple to get. Um, I think we have a post on the site about it. Um, uh, we do. You just have to be an Amazon Prime member and you can claim it on the Amazon Prime gaming page. Uh, it has, you have to have Amazon Prime. It's like has to be linked to Twitch. There's this whole series of steps that seems overcomplicated, but basically, you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you go to the Prime Gaming page, you find the big battle bear, and just click the claim button, and it'll walk you through the rest. So yeah, if you don't already have this thing, and you want it, uh, you can get it now. And since it was orig- it's the original TCG, I believe, um, yeah. that means it is hard to get nowadays. You basically have to just find an unclaimed card. So yeah, yeah. there's a new way to get it. You still can find those cards on like eBay, but they're several hundred dollars. So if you want it, I would get it now. You can also yeah. sign up for a free trial of Prime and get it that way. So mm-hmm. I, there were options. You got options and you can get a, a bear mount. So yeah, um, at this point, therefore, we're going to move on to actual questions from you guys because we have a few and... You know, we're going to we're going to do that. Uh, If you've got a question for the show, you can do what lovely, lovely listeners to the show did this week and ask questions in in our discord. Thank you to all of you. It made this much easier than it normally is. Uh, I very much appreciate that. That's our patron Q and podcast questions channel. If you don't happen to be a patron for the site, lots of reasons why that might be to steal Joe's uh, usual statement on it. Uh, We totally appreciate you just being here anyway, but we've got a Q and podcast questions channel that you can ask questions in as well. And we appreciate you doing that. And if you'd rather email us, uh, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch. So we know it's for the show this week. There was a question that I thought was perfect for blizzard watch, but you said lore watching the subject. So I didn't use it. That's for you, Joe. Aww. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, now that we've established all that, we're going to have Joe read all three of the emails. Uh, Joe? (laughs) All right. Well, let's start with the first one, uh, which is a Discord, not uh, an email. All the words in Discord. Yeah, I know. Uh, Kinos, question for the podcast with 10.1 on the horizon, and it's focus on Deathwing. I've been thinking about Cataclysm. 
I was 10 years old when Cataclysm came out, so I don't really remember much about what it was like going through the content cycle. I would love to hear about your experience going through the opening and patch cycle of Cataclysm. I also would like to hear about your first time seeing the random world event where Deathwing would show up and set fire to his own. Um, I think it can be best summed up from my end of, oh God, oh God, oh God, I can't get out of here. Oh no, I'm on fire. I'm dead. Okay, let me go. Okay, let's let's try this again. Uh, oh no 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 no! I gotta get out of here! I gotta get out of here! Uh, the event where Deathwing would randomly come and like torch his own was actually really fun and funny uh, because if you weren't paying attention, uh, it would just completely uh, like it would just catch you off guard. It would just do the it 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 would be hilarious in my opinion I, at least. I remember going through the Twilight Highlands doing the wedding quests, the wedding series of quest lines. Mm -hmm. And I was on my way back to tell them, okay, I've managed to get everybody to allow you two to get married. (laughs) And I literally just rode over a hill and their death ring was coming right at me, like zooming down across the land. And I was like, I didn't even have time to swear. (laughs) Like I was like opening my mouth for the obscenity and then foof. And he just burned half the zone and flew away. And I was dead. And I was standing there going, I go through a lot of trouble to get two dwarves. I don't even know married. Wow. Okay, then. <laughs> but yeah, it was like literally just <gasps> Deathwing had a lot of uh, there's I I certainly have had problems with the story of Cataclysm. I had things I didn't like. But I will say that in his appearances, w- what Deathwing may have lacked in long-term strategic planning, he made up for in sheer menacing. I'd never seen a WoW boss as terrifying to look at as that thing. Because it was big. He was really big he was a kaiju he was big enough that they had a fight on his back like it it was and it was crazy the first time you saw him just flying over a zone he was just there and then he was just gone and you were on fire uh so yeah that, that was my experience of it liz uh well my experience of it was that i quit the game in cataclysm because in addition to all of this deathwing stuff it cataclysm came with some huge changes to classes and I was playing a Holy Paladin at the time, and they turned that upside down and inside out. It was a totally different class when Cataclysm arrived. I bet I didn't play for two weeks and I was out. So uh, I missed the whole Deathwing thing. I mean, I played the quest later, but when I did the quest later, it wasn't like Deathwing coming over the land to set me on fire. So mm, I, I missed that whole thing. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, it is a little sad because it was hilarious how many times I died. <laughs> Um, going through the, the dev cycle of like opening day and stuff like that though, too. And it it was always interesting. Cataclysm was a very divisive, uh, expansion for a lot of people because it got rid of the old world, forced you to re-experience zones in a, a, from a, a, in a different way, uh, completely shook up things that we had for, I don't want to say taken for granted, but grown accustomed to like, you know, the, dwarf starting area and the area around it and uh thousand needles and and everything else like everything changed and so it became a uh an interesting experience that captured that exploration feeling that wow 1.0 that vanilla wow had when it released uh, when we first got into game, I remember feeling like this big sense of wonder and awe at like the scope and scale of the game, going through and just digging for places and, and just wandering around for hours. Cataclysm gave much the same feel, 
because while everything was familiar, there was so much that was new. Uh, whether you loved it or hated it, it there was really no in-between. Um, I also remember because I was a shaman, which surprises, I'm sure, absolutely legitimately no one, um, when Cataclysm released, that was the most powerful we had ever been. <laughs> and I remember Elemental blowing things up like crazy. I remember Enhancement just like one-shotting things again, which made it feel like the old days of like Hand of Rag with Enhancement. Uh, and then healing like you were just untouchable. Uh, we And then seeing how that got clawed back as patches released every single time and watching the balance shift and move down. Uh, it's It was a very wild time. I also remember a lot of classes swinging very uh, energetically from one extreme to another as they were trying to balance things out. <laughs> um, because everything changed. There were brand new... Uh, it was a brand new... Uh, talent system. It was a brand new. Yeah, they, they cut the talent system in yeah. half. You know, yeah, keep in mind that people often forget that. I, I think when I was writing about talent changes for Dragonflight, the thing I mentioned was that the Cataclysm talent change was the first time we saw anything like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. up before, uh, up until that, uh, WoW had only just added talent points in both Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King. The talent system just got bigger. They just added more stuff to it. They didn't really i mean they took individual things out but the the shape of it had not changed and in cataclysm it went from like i think the capstone talents were like 51 points to you had 51 points total spread across three because you that's how many they just chopped out uh they they literally cut it in half so yeah the talent system was a was a big shock i think also um when did we get dual specialization i actually think it was Specialization, wrath. yeah, we got it in Wrath, but didn't they like change it up so that everybody just had all three in Cataclysm? Because I remember there being a big shift to the talent system. I remember like leveling through the Worgen starting zone, and it was significantly different playing a character than it had ever been before. Like I think you just picked which one you wanted to be. Like okay, yeah, I'm level ten, I'm in arms now. Just boom, uh, and it's it's remained that way pretty much since. So that was actually a really big change. There was, there was a lot to it. Um, I just remember, honestly, the biggest problem I had was running dungeons in the first couple months because people would not understand that you couldn't just Wrath of the Lich Kingdom. You couldn't just run through and just pull everything and have it follow you and just kill it all in one spot. Mobs were hitting hard. Uh, I think we did a, a... Didn't we do like a live stream type thing where it was uh, Liz, you yes. and me, yeah. uh, Joe, Alex, and we actually did Dead Mines? Uh, uh, there was a lot of us, and I remember things just hitting real hard. Yeah, like like tanks. Really, it was really tanks mm-hmm. were getting massacred. It was they were hitting like a truck because th- this was also an item squish. The first item squish was cataclysm. So yeah, there was a lot of change. There was a lot of change going. In. But I think that's all I've got to say on it. Well, uh, let let me let me bring this back up to ten point one and ask you to do you think Deathwing can be as menacing in ten point one as he was when we saw him before? Yes, but I don't think it's about the menace anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's that's the thing. Things have evolved character wise for what we're experiencing. So back in in Cataclysm, Deathwing one hundred percent absolutely was. Uh, the the villain. It was the the looming threat. We had dealt with his children. Uh, him coming back. We were told how awful he was. How he sundered the world and did all this other stuff. Like, and he like this mad scientist. The whole nine. As years have gone on and expansions have released, 
yeah, he did a lot of horrible things, but look at all the things we've faced. We've essentially punched gods, right? Like we've we fought God, uh, we fought death, we've fought uh, you know the pantheon, we've fought uh, the entirety of the legion, we've done all of these things that Deathwing didn't or couldn't do. So it's not about the menace anymore. It's about uncovering the secrets because that's the last thing uh, that that Naltharian that Deathwing has is just a pile of secrets, things that he kept hidden from everybody experiments and, and tragedies that we, we kind of knew happened uh, like logically they had to happen, but we didn't really, we weren't really forced to like have it in our face. Now we have to go dig through it. Like it's completely different. So that's, that's my two sons. Matt, what do you think? I, I think um, in terms of whether or not he can be as menacing, I think it's, sort of what you were talking about joe but also just kind of a general feeling of the menace here is in what he what his actions have caused like the legacy we keep hearing with the legacy of deathwing the legacy of mm-hmm. notharian the legacy of the black dragonflight think about how much of that stuff is stuff he caused like the we're going to like this this weird hidden laboratory where he was obviously experimenting with like all sorts of stuff he should not have been experimenting with um basically if there was a if there was a giant box and Neltharian came across it, and the giant box just said, "Don't push the red button." He would spend several <laughs> minutes trying to figure out how to get somebody else to push the red button so he could see the effects. Like th- this is mm. this is not a, a a dragon who who liked to stop and think about what he was doing. Uh, so I feel like that's the real thing here is to, to is to find out exactly what did he do. Like, what did he cause? What did he set in motion? Why did the Drakthir exist? What, what was going on in Avarice? What did it, why are the incarnates so convinced it's going to destroy the aspects? Like, Nalfarian's been dead for a long time, guys, and they helped kill him. So what do you think we're going to find that's, go- that's going to be so destructive to the aspects? Because they say as much, you know? They, they flat out say as much. And so, yeah, I, I do find myself wondering, what exactly was he up to? What was Avarice for? Like, if is Avarice like the lab you have when you don't want to have a lab anywhere near your stuff for fear it's going to get blown up? Like, w- like is this a hot lab, basically, if you remember uh, Mass Effect with the hot labs? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it like that? Like, what's the deal with Avarice? And we, we know we're going to be fighting some kind of, like, recording of Neltharian. Uh, we know that. We've been told that. And we know that the final fight involves all these weird sky maps and strange altars and weird portals. Like, I feel like that's where the menace is. The menace isn't like in, in cataclysm. They, they, they leaned heavily on the whole gigantic fire breathing nightmare dragon. I feel like here, we're going to get to look at the, the Neltharian who's a smart thinker, but who always tends to like, he kind of overestimates just how good he is at getting out of trouble. I feel like the Drakthir cinematics really show this. Like he thought he was fine. Like he could just use this Titan artifact and wield the Drakthir as like a living weapon and everything would be great. He wasn't expecting to get it broken. And when it got broken, he falls back on his next Xanatos Gambit, which is, I guess I'll call on the old gods. You know, how long was he talking to old gods that he could just do that? Like there's a lot to find out, so that's where I think the menace is in this this time. But I'm the host of the show, so when I yeah, stop talking, no, sorry, that's I, fair. I have to jump in. Um, so yeah, I guess we're up to the next one, Joe. Cool. Uh, that is going to be a game mechanics question from 
Daffid? Daffid? Hopefully. I think it's Daffid. All right. Uh, have you heard anything about normal flying being enabled on the Dragon Isles? My gaming setup is not conventional. I play on a laptop and a recliner and do not use a mouse, using keybinds as much as possible. This makes dragon flying or dragon riding very punishing, and I avoid it as much as possible. When when I am flying dragon back, it is completely out of control experience with lots of dismounts uh, as the touchpad interprets the wrong kind of click as to some part of my UI, and I dismount and fall to my death. That sounds very unpleasant. I have nothing against the many players who love dragon flying uh, and want to use it in the next uh, in the previous expansion zones, and would love to see it as an option at some point for them. I'm not sure that I agree with the ones that want the dragon flying mechanics on their old flying mounts. That seems like a step too far development wise, unless the the old mount is an actual dragon. A uh, couple things. I think that we should have both, and I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, because you've just hit the nail on the head. It's an accessibility thing. And mm-hmm. it's something that I haven't seen a lot of talk about, uh, which concerns me. And this is something that I really hope the developers uh, talk about or, or you know, actually are paying attention to is that people with mobility problems or uh, any sort of like uh, impairment or, or just limitation that prevents them from doing dragon riding makes a lot of what makes this expansion fun for players inaccessible. And a lot of that can be fixed with things like adding normal flying. Like you've just pointed out, if you can't do dragon riding, put normal flying into the game again, let that be a thing so that players can progress and hover in place. And it's a much smoother experience for them overall. I think I talked about this before where, you know, like there were people that were reporting motion sickness in like mm-hmm. early early beta dragon dragonflight testing because of the motion blur that was present right um there's they they walked some of that back and fixed some of that but like it can be very disorienting i still hear from people that find like landing disorienting they addressed some of that with giving you the stop button now which does make things a little bit easier for people as you then glide down to the ground but i do think giving that accessibility back is paramount. Um, I don't think that dragon riding should replace flying everywhere, but I would not be upset if they just added that as an option for older zones. Like, do I think dragon riding through uh, the old world zones would be fun? Yes, but they weren't designed for that. They're not going to have the same clearances. It's not going to have the same effect as it does in dragon flight. So that's my two cents on it. Um, Liz, what do you think? Uh, I also play on a laptop, and until Dragonflight, I frequently did not use a mouse of any sort. And I I was a fan of this because the great thing about playing on a laptop and just using your trackpad is you can keep both hands on the keyboard, and the trackpad is where your thumbs are. You don't have to move your hands off the keyboard. You have those keybinds immediately accessible on both sides of the keyboard all the time. I That was great. Uh, now, I agree with you that it's completely uncontrollable on a trackpad. You can do it, but it's 10 times as difficult. And uh, it's it's not fun. It's super not fun. And uh, I, use, I use a trackball now. I can't do the mouse thing. It just bothers my wrists too much. Uh, and that works fine, but you, you've got to be you've got to be in a situation where you can switch from one to the other. And there are disadvantages to using a mouse or track or trackball. 
because, you know, now I don't have both my hands on the keyboard or I have to move my hand off the mouse to the keyboard. And uh, that makes it harder to hit some hotkeys. Like there's a there's bad things all around. I really don't think you should have to change your complete gaming setup in order to play an expansion. Uh, but I have. I have. I now use an external keyboard and mouse because if I'm using a mouse, it's harder to reach my laptop. You know, it's before Dragonflight and after Dragonflight, my computer setup has completely changed. And that that's kind of ridiculous. Um, now that I have this setup and I use it this way, I have really enjoyed dragon riding. But you you can't use it just with a with a trackpad. It just does not work. Blizzard has talked about accessibility, and the big accessibility feature is that uh, ride along feature. If it's enabled, you can basically like click on someone who's dragon riding, who's in your party, and just fly along with them. But that still really limits you because you can't do that unless you got a buddy who is yeah. doing the same thing you are. Yep. Matt, do you have opinions? Uh, well, I mean, I don't like to harp on it, but we both, we all know I'm blind. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of my eyes doesn't work at all. And the other one about half works. Anything with a motion blur, it makes me want to just hurl. Like, it, it's I'm the guy who was tanking Grim Rail Depot with my eyes closed because I couldn't handle when you'd get out onto the train and it would be doing the, the, the movement stuff around you to make you feel like you were on a moving train. I had to like, like either aim my character at the ground or close my eyes because I would just get nauseated in seconds. I still, to this day, can't do can't do overwatch uh, because of motion effects and like swooping in, swooping out effects, all the various things that happen on screen. It's just too much. It just, it just overwhelms my eyes. Uh, I actually like dragon riding. I have no problem doing it, but I understand that not everybody can do it. Like it, it is, it is something that they have deliberately made to add a skill challenge aspect to flying. And I get why people really like it. And a lot of people who have never ever stopped to think about what it would be like to just suddenly not be able to play your game because mm-hmm. it, it hasn't happened to them yet. But I remember when it started happening to me. I remember the exact fight it started happening. Uh, this was Mists of Pandaria. Up till Mists of Pandaria, I had like been tanking at the highest level of raid difficulty for several expansions. Uh, I joined guilds, and they would they would help have me explain to them how to do fights, and we would clear those fights together. Like like that's how into it I was. We get down to the last boss before uh, the sh- the Shah of Pride thing. The uh, I forget, I forget which one, Norishan? Yeah, Norishan. And there's the part where it sends the tank downstairs. And because of the effects they were using on that fight, I couldn't see anything. And I didn't know at the time that I was losing my vision. I just knew that I couldn't, I couldn't see down there. They put me down there and I couldn't see what was going on. And so I would die over and over and over again. And it was maddening to me. And I didn't even realize at the time what was happening, but I was physically incapable of doing this and cut through, you know, a few years later, around 2016, blood vessel pops in my eye, go to the eye doctor. And next thing we know, Oh yeah, you're blind. Um, as a result of that, I, I'm very sensitive to that for other people, whatever the reason is. And I feel like in this case, dragon Ring is a really great idea. It's really fun. Uh, if you can do it, it's, it's a lot of fun, but if you can't do it, it's nothing but frustration. And it isn't as simple as get good. Yeah. Sometimes people just cannot do this physically. 
like um it would be very easy for me if if they hadn't if they hadn't cut back on the visual effect of this this flying forward like when you get really going in dragon riding i still have to close my eyes yeah i cannot look at the screen when i'm really whipping because it's just so fast around me and it's like oh nope nope i'm gonna get sick so yeah i i think i get why people don't want to have it enabled on the dragon isles i understand that it's it's like just it's so slow and plodding in comparison even like a 350 speed mount is just flap 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 i'm there but for some people they'd rather have that than not be able to play yeah and, and like i kind of have to agree with it let's i mean i did not to hijack it or anything like that but like one of my one of my very very good friends nikki williams is she's an advocate for accessibility in video games, right? That's, that's what she does. That's one of her, her her things. And there's a whole community like thriving and, and pushing in the industry for accessibility across all video games, because like Matt said, he, he said the magic words, right? Like back, back in 2000, like if you were playing a game and being bad at it, you might not have known something was wrong with you and everybody would just tell you to get good. It's not like that anymore. We're, we talk about how we're getting older uh, and, and things like that. We shouldn't have to sacrifice things we like, such as video games, things we enjoy doing, things that, that are hobbies of ours, uh, if there are ways for us to enjoy it uh, with accessibility options. And WoW has done an amazing job. Like The, the development team for, for Warcraft has done an amazing job of putting accessibility features into the game there's just more work to be done and stuff like dragon riding really highlights like this really cool feature that not everybody can enjoy and becomes a hard barrier for players because there is, there is literally and legitimately content you cannot reach without dragon riding. There is events you cannot get to daily quests. You will never be able to do unless you have dragon riding. That's not good. So Going back to it, like if regular flight is an accessibility option that allows players to do that, there is zero reason in my mind not to put it into the game as an option. Options are good. Accessibility is good. The more people that play your game, the better. I think part of the problem is that dragon riding has been so baked in Mm -hmm. to the Dragonflight expansion. It's Mm -hmm. so much a part of the expansion's DNA. And it's it's not easy. It's you can't just fly from place to place. You got to really work at it. And it can be a fun challenge, but it can also be like, man, I just want to go where I need to go. I don't want to fly around in circles. I don't want to have miss to that node. Go turn around. Oh, uh, now I yeah. Now I have to do a spiral around in circles, whirling madly, not being able to see where I'm trying to land because I'm going so fast until I run out of vigor and I land somewhere I don't mean to land and I'm surrounded by uh, angry elite mobs. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I'm okay at dragon riding. I'm at least okay, but I, I do stuff like that. And it's frustrating when you run out of vigor and then it's like, okay, I'm trotting along on the ground for a while until I, until I can get back up there. And anyone who has flown in a span and, you know, the span is all downhill in one direction, but it's all uphill in the other direction. Yeah, it is super easy to get from like the the side of of Ezra span that's near the boundary that Thaldrasis. That's super easy. You just go, you just point the nose slightly down and just go. 
done. You're all the yeah. way across the zone at high speed. Yeah. You want to go the other way? <laughs> Find a high point. Good. And get ready to yeah. dive a lot. There, There is no high point to dive off of. And you're just going to sit on the ground. And you're going to go up for a little while. Then you're going to sit on the... You know, there are there's, places there's for dragon riding. There's a way to do mm-hmm. it, but it's really annoying. Because you have to find one of those towers that sometimes uh-huh. the ones that have the dragon glyphs in it. So yeah. you, if you manage to get to one of them and manage to get to the top of it before you run out of vigor, you know, kudos, you're really good. Mm. Uh, but you, eventually you'll get up there. Then you have to wait and wait for your vigor to come back. <laughs> and then you have to basically fly. Seriously, it's like you have to fly with the, I want to aim at the ground, but I don't want to aim straight at the ground. <laughs> and it's like, this is a lot of granularity to how I'm going to crash this dragon if this doesn't work. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is there are there are aspects that I find. Less- I, I will uh, say one one note about dragon riding back in the rest of Azeroth is Blizzard has said that it's like a specific set of animations for our dragon riding mounts. that are like these dragons that we can ride here are, you know, designed with that in mind. And it would actually be a lot of work to rig up old mounts to do these kind of motions that give you that sense of uh, speed that the dragon riding mounts have. And, you know, their special abilities, like the one where you go really far forward and your dragon does this twirl, which looks really cool, but uh, old mounts are not designed for those animations. So there is currently no plan that I am aware of to bring this back to the rest of the world because it would be complicated. also, I think I, it would I, also it would also be weird to like take a dragon riding mount to the old world and dragon ride on it because those zones aren't designed for it. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned so that earlier. Gonna, like you you're going to end up feeling really strange trying to like do it, and like some of the zones they seem pretty big to us. Mm-hmm. But if you were on an 800, 900% flying mount, you'd be like, whoa, okay, I'm, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to have to come back to that zone. I, yo, wow, I'm past that zone and now I'm somewhere, I'm two zones away. Need to hey, turn I'm around. in Mulgore. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> um, I would, one thing I would like is if I could have my dragon riding mount and when I go back to the rest of the world, I could use that mount to just do normal flying. I would be super into that because then I would not have to be, you know, okay, I've I've gone, I've portaled to Orgrimmar, I'm going to do this, and I like hit my dragon riding keybind, but no, that doesn't work. And then I hit my, you know, normal mount keybind, and I go up for a while. Then I go back to the Dragon Isles, and I hit my, you know, normal mount keybind because I'm used to doing that after doing it for a while. And then I'm then I can't take to the sky, you know, just you know, give us give us the option, give us the option. Okay, uh, do we have time for like the one last one? Uh, we're already we're at we're, we're we're at time i think by like two minutes but we i mean it's up to you we can do the last one here i mean yeah because i have a quick answer for it okay all right uh daikaiju uh asks do they ever not update diablo 2 i'm getting ps3 flashbacks also is there any point to keeping the diablo 4 beta on my pc they keep updating that too yeah, they update Diablo 2 uh, a lot. Uh, it gets a lot of small updates. It gets a fair a fair amount of big updates. It is a pretty continuously updated thing. Keep in mind that it is unlike the original Diablo 2. It's always on. Like It, it reaches out to the servers, uh, to Blizzard servers, to get information for the game. So they're constantly making updates to how they do that and how effective it is. So yeah, it, it gets updated a lot. Um, as for Diablo 4... Oh, go ahead, Liz. 
it's I I think it's a little bit like World of Warcraft where you log on and it's like, why are you sitting here updating? I just want to play the game. There hasn't been a patch. Yeah. And uh, it feels a little like Diablo does that too. You start it up and it phones home and it maybe downloads something little. Yeah, what we would call a micro patch, barely even noticeable, mm-hmm. but it's, it fixes one or two things. Yeah, it does do that a lot. As for the Diablo 4 beta, they have not announced a new beta. Um, maybe they'll do one, maybe they don't, but if they do, you'll probably be able to download it again. Uh, I don't, I mean, there's no reason to keep it if you don't want to keep it for whatever reason. I, I've left it on mine because it's not taking up that much space and doesn't hurt me none. But if you want to get rid of it, I mean, they have not even said they're going to do another beta. So I would say go ahead. It's only 80 gigabytes of space after all. I mean, I'm I'm keeping it because if they do another beta, I don't want to re-download 80 gigabytes of client. Yeah, you're going to end up having to like, even even with that client on there, you're still going to end up with like a 20 gig download most likely. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a big difference between Uh, 20 and 80. Yeah. I, I think they're going to do another beta, but that's, I don't know anything. That's just a guess on my part. I think we're going to have another beta period at some point. We're well, seven weeks. We're seven yeah. weeks away from launch. I think that's we're going to do more testing. Yeah, that seems likely. But uh, like I said, they haven't announced it yet. And even if they do, if it really is bothering you to have it there, go ahead and take it off. If you're like me and you don't really mind it, keep it on. Uh, no, I left it on my Xbox just in case. I really liked it on the Xbox. Quite frankly, uh, the compatibility between Xbox and PC was great. I loved it. Uh, I could just play it in here, and then I could go out and play it in the living room, and I could come back and play it in here. And um, I'm pretty sure when this game comes out, I am going to just stop eating. Yeah, when will I have time? I don't recommend it. If they put it on the Switch, quite frankly, I'm dead. That's it. That's me. I'm done. Just plug it directly into my head at this point. Don't don't even bother with a console. Just, Just plug it into my head. Anyway, though. I think that does it for this. Unless, uh, is it anyone else have anything they want to say to this question before we go? No, I think you nailed it. Liz? No. Alrighty then. Uh, first off, guys, uh, Joe is going to do a spiel, and then I'll do a spiel, and then we'll be done. Yes, because did you know that Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch? Your continued support means that this podcast setting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like having early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, thank you again to both Joe and Liz for being here, uh, being you know awesome co-hosts and covering when my cat knocks something over outside and it sounds like all <laughs> heck has broken loose so i have to go run and check on it uh you're you're both amazing and i especially love the 25 minute D druid discussion we had on the pre-show if you're not <laughs> listening to the pre-shows man you should start those are great uh you can be a patron supporter and you can you can get those sent to you or you can just listen when we live stream and boom there they are uh piping hot like pizza except you know not at all <laughs> in any way uh, but this has been the Blizzard Watch uh, podcast. Uh, if you've got a question for the podcast, you can send it to our email, uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com, uh, or you can use our Discord. We have two channels for patrons. Uh, we have the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. And for non-patrons, we have the podcast Q and Podcast Questions channel. In any of the, you can use any and all of those methods. You can also use telepathy if you have it. Uh, so far, no one sent their thoughts to me as far as I'm aware, but I really am going to get my dog a treat. Oh, no. Okay, the dog does. But nobody else has. <laughs> but yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we will be back next week. <laughs>